Welcome to the Glow Podcast with Dr. Land. Our purpose is to inspire and equip you to live a purposeful and maximized life that makes a glowing difference in your world to God's glory. For more inspiring content from Dr. Land, visit our website at www.pastorland.com and follow at Pastor Land on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Now let's listen in and be inspired. So I started as a, a second part of the sermon, how to pray effectively. Everybody say, how to pray effectively. So I'm going to continue today on that uh, message, how to pray effectively. So last week, I, you know, we, we started by looking at the book of Luke. So if you can turn to the book of Luke chapter 11, Luke chapter 11. Uh, let's let's start uh, from that from that place. Luke chapter eleven, and then I'm going to continue how to pray effectively. There's a there's a how to pray so that you know prayer can be very effective. So Luke chapter eleven from verse one says, "One day, Jesus was in a certain place praying. Jesus was in a certain place praying. So basically, um, I want you to know that." Sometimes, you know, like I said last week, sometimes it's good for you to find a place where you pray. Like a place that you go to constantly to pray. It's not that the, the place is what makes your prayer powerful. It's not that the place is what makes your prayer answered. But there's something about going to a particular place that just creates something. It's like when you get there, God is just waiting there to meet with you as you start to pray. It does something to your mind. Because Jesus Christ, sometimes you see him, I would say he went on the mountain to pray. Jesus Christ could have prayed anywhere. But sometimes he will climb the mountain. Sometimes, you know, he will, he will go into the wilderness and do some other stuff. There's something about finding a place where there's no distraction, right, to pray. So I want to encourage everybody. If there's a habit, if there's something that you want to develop uh, this year, um, you know, is find a place where you pray and just go there at the same time every day. Same time every day. Whether it's 15 minutes you're going to spend there, whether it's 20 minutes you're going to spend there, whether it's an hour, you're going to just go there every day and just do that. After a while, you discover that by the time you get there, it's like the presence of God is already waiting for you and things start to come. There's just something about it and I can't explain it. But say Jesus was in a certain place praying. As he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. So, I said it that, you know, last week that it's interesting that the, the disciples did not say, Lord, teach us to heal or teach us to perform miracles. They didn't say any one of those things. They said, teach us to pray. The significance of that is that they found that they must have come to the conclusion that everything that Jesus did, all the things that he did, this is the secret. Prayer was the secret of it. So, I'm, I'm, if, I mean, if I was there, I, do, I don't want to, I don't want it to, I don't want him to teach me, you know, the effect. I want to get the source of the power. I want to get what is generating it, not just, you know, what I can see. I don't want the fruits. I want the roots. Amen. So that I can be able to produce the fruit anytime, even when it's not there. So the disciples wanted the, the root, the, the, the root, and they knew that it was, Jesus' communication with the Father 
that it was his prayer life that was the foundation and the root of everything that he did. So they wanted it and they got it because later, as we read in the Acts of the Apostles, they also made it their own roots. The moment Jesus was taken up into heaven, they said they were in the upper room and they kept on praying until the day of Pentecost. And we see it all through that. Anytime they got into any issue or whatever, they were, they were always praying. They got the answer that the, the root is prayer. So I want to tell everybody listening to me, if you don't know how to handle any issue in your life, if you don't know how to handle things that are happening in your life, if you know how to pray, you have the tool that you can wield, that can, that can deal with any issue. Every failure in life is traceable to a prayer failure. And every success in the life of a believer is traceable to a prayer success. So when we learn how to pray, when we learn how to pray and we consistently develop the habit of prayer, there is no place in God that he has ordained us to go to that we cannot get to. That's the foundation. And that's why Jesus said a lot about prayer. The Bible talks a lot about prayer and teaches us the how. So they asked him, teach us how to pray. As John taught his disciples. So it tells, it tells me that anybody who wants to lead anything, you have to teach the people you lead how to pray. And I'm not just talking about leading in church. I'm talking about leading a family. One of the greatest, um, how do I say, legacy you can give to your children and give to the people or the people that God has given you any kind of influence over is to teach them how to pray. So you show them how you pray and you teach them how to pray. If you give them that, you are giving them the best thing that they ever need. Because they will always, they can always, when you are not there, they can always go back to that and they can always get what they need. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. So, so Jesus went ahead and told them, this is how you should pray. I love the word how. I love how tos. You know, I'm a kind of how to person. You know, this is how. So they say how to pray. They say how. So that means we can pray wrongly. Amen. Anytime they say how to anything, it means that you can do it wrong. You know, I teach, you know, like I teach my sons how to drive and teach, you know, I've taught people how to drive. They say how to drive and they say how not to drive. Okay. <laughs> Amen. There's a how not to drive in terms of, there's how to drive at the right speed. There's how to drive, you know, the way you turn, the way you do everything. And they say how not to. They say how to drive in the snow. There's how not to drive in the snow. There's how to drive in the rain. There's how not to drive in the rain. There's how to drive on the highway. And there's how not to drive on the highway. There's how to drive on a you know, local road. And there's how not to drive on a local road. So whenever you see how, that means there's, there's a way. You can do it wrongly. And I can tell you that at different points in our lives, we are prayed wrongly. And sometimes we are prayed rightly. And I can make it even bigger. In the body of Christ, there are people who pray wrongly. And there are people who pray rightly. So we all need to keep learning. We learn from the master himself. The one who knows how to pray correctly. We learn it. So we, are, we need to always be humble. You know, no matter what we have learned in the past, always be humble. And always look at it. Is this scripture? Is this the way it's supposed to be done? And then we adapt it into our lives. Amen. So I started sharing certain things about how to pray. Certain principles of prayer revealed by Christ and revealed in the word. The first one I talked about is that we have to pray purposefully. Everybody say purposefully. purposefully. Pray purposefully. Meaning that 
Prayer should not just be something you do because you don't have anything to do. Prayer shouldn't be something you do because everybody's doing it. You know, somebody was sharing, I was reading a book and um, the man said that sometime, when he was pastoring, he was a pastor, so when he was pastoring, he, had, he liked to do this. That he will go, when people are praying, people usually pray around the altar and all that. Then he will go and he will, he will just tap them and say, so what are you praying about? <laughs> and they will say, I'm just, someone else, I'm just praying. That what, what exactly are you praying about? What is the thing? I'm just praying. Uh, no, no, no. Prayer has to have uh, a desire, a purpose, a goal. In a sense. Sometimes we pray just because we want to communicate and fellowship with God. That's a goal, right? That, Lord, I don't really have any request. All I just want to do right now is I just want to spend some time with you and fellowship with you and hear from you. That's a goal, right? But there has to be something burning inside of you that you are taking to God in prayer. You know, it could be something that you want changed. It could be something that God has put in your heart that you want to see. You want to see manifest. That thing has to be right there. Prayer has to have a purpose. Mark 11, 24 says, whatever thing you desire, prayer, I can even tell you that prayer is actually the desire. Prayer is not your mouth moving. Prayer is the passion of your heart. Prayer is that thing that is crying for me. In fact, there are sometimes when you pray prayers and your mouth does not even open. But the groanings that are in your heart, God hears it. The real prayer is that thing in you. That's the real prayer. And I gave you the example of Hannah, right? That they said her mouth was moving, but she wasn't saying anything. And everybody, you know, the, the, the priest thought she was drunk in First Samuel. Thought she was drunk. And she said, no, I'm not drunk. They're just a passion. I need a child. I want a child. I want a child. I want a child. And she was praying about a child. So what happened? Her passion met the passion of God. Because while she was praying for a child, amen, God wanted a child that will lead the kings, that will be a judge, in a sense, that will lead the kings. Amen. And that's the way it usually happens. You know, sometimes God gives you a burden. You think it's just for you. It's just what you want. But really, God allowed, the, allowed Hannah to get to that point where it was so hot. Sometimes, some of the things that you've been denied, some of the things that you want, that it, it gets to a point that you are so desirous of it. Yeah, God allowed you to get to that boiling point. You understand? Because he wanted your desire to align with his desire. So she made a vow to God. And God said, yeah, got it. You got, you got what you want. But I got what I want. You want a child, I want a judge. Amen. So you get your child, and I get your I get my judge. Amen. So listen, I want you to know that some of the desires and the passions that you have in your heart that seems personal. You know, it's actually God, you know, preparing for what He also wants. So when we pray, when we get into prayer and we yield ourselves to those desires, God will get what He wants. And you will get what you want. Come on, somebody say amen to that. So pray purposefully. I have this practice of whenever I am praying, I will write out exactly what I'm praying about. Like I will write it out in a specific way. So I'm praying about this one. I'm praying about this two. So when I want to switch to the next one, in my mind, I switch. I say, this is now about this. Always be definite. 
as much as you can about what you are praying for. Don't pray haphazardly. Don't pray without purpose. Pray with a purpose in mind. How will you know you got the answer if you don't know what you are praying for? How will you know? Right? How will you know if you got the answer if you don't know what you are praying for? So you need to know what you are praying for so that you can know when the answer comes. That's what the prayer journal is about. I prayed about this and then I got the answer. Oh, glory to God. But if you don't know what you are praying for, there's no purpose. There's no, you, you can't track it. God wants you to be able to try. He said, taste and see that the Lord is good. He wants you to be able to track its purposes, its, you know, its work in your life. So let's track our prayers. Amen. Let's track our prayer. You know, yesterday, I, you know, I, I think I told you last week that I have, you know, I have uh, some scriptures for the year. I printed them out and I posted them on the wall just beside my bedside, just looking at them and praying, just, you know, the passages and the scriptures and the things. I'm praying them. Now I know, right? I know as I pray. When the answer comes, I can go and think that, yeah, that one has happened. And that one has happened. Let's, do, let's, let's, let's have desire. Let's have, I mean, desires. Like, let's have, let's, let our prayers have a purpose. Is that clear, everybody? That's just a review, you know. The next thing is pray scripturally. Pray scripturally. Pray scripturally. The prayer that God is going to answer is what he has already answered in the Bible. Did I, should I say that again? The prayers that God will answer, he has already answered them in the word. So prayer is you finding the answer in the word first, right? And then praying it out until it manifests in your life. Don't pray if you have not found the answer. Let me repeat that. Don't pray about anything until you have found the answer first in the word. Because he's only going to honor his word. He's only going to honor his word. So people pray without the word. It doesn't work that way. So you pray with the word, right? And you study the word with prayer. It's a cycle. You pray with the word. So when you have determined the purpose or the burden in your heart, then you go into the Bible. You go into the word. Genesis to Revelation. And say, where did God do this before? Right? What did God say about this before? Is there any example of somebody who got that before? You isolate that, isolate that. The entire Bible is the revelation of God's will. It's the logos of God. It's the revelation of what he's willing to do in the life of everyone. Are you listening? Whether in the Old or the New Testament. The word of God contains the promises of God. It is through the promises of God that will become a partaker of the divine nature. Amen. You know, there's a, there's a passage in, our, uh, you know, 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1 from verse 1. It says, um, grace and truth, you know, be multiplied to you through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, according as his divine power. Um, go, second, second Peter chapter 1. Go, 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 go up, verse 2. So it's a grace and truth be multiplied to you as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Jesus Christ. Verse 3. It says, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need. Everybody say, God has given us everything we need. Um, someone said, no, I don't, know. I don't believe that. I need something. <laughs> I don't think I have it. Look at how he has given us. God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We 
I've received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. So we received it when we came to know him. But now how do we actualize it in our life? This, sorry, he said, and because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. The promises in God's word is how you access what he has given you by grace. When you come into Christ, through grace, you receive this gift. But for you to actualize them in your life, you have to go into the word and find out (laughs) what has he said. And all the promises of God in him are yes and amen. In other words, if you can find it in God's word, you can say, yes, amen. Somebody say, yes, amen. So if I find something in the Bible, this is my own confidence. Like anytime in prayer, my biggest confidence in prayer is that if I find in the Bible that God promised it or that God did it for somebody, yes and amen. That's it. Yes and amen. It doesn't matter how long it takes to manifest in my life. I just hang on to it like a bulldog. Yes and what? Somebody say yes and amen. Yes, you need to get some things. You look at them and say, yes, amen. Yes, amen. Yes, amen. Yes, amen. So don't pray. You know, don't just pray by, con- you know, conjuring things. Pray what is already written in scriptures. First John chapter 5 and verse 14. This is the confidence. If you want to be confident in prayer, this that I'm telling you is the confidence that you have in him. First John 5, 14. This is the confidence that we have in him. The confidence, the boldness that we have in him. That if we ask anything that pleases him or according to his will, he hears us. You know, if you go, please go to another part. I don't know what what you're using. Uh, Maybe use ESB for me. Uh, ESB. So this is the confidence that we have in him, that we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And this, you know, and if we know that he hears us, we know we have. That's how we know. If we know that, so this is the confidence that we have in toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. We know we have the request. The confidence is that you found it in the world. Jesus said it another way. He said, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you. That's in John chapter 15. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, then you will ask what you will, and it will be done for you. But the prerequisite is that his word must abide in you first. Then you can ask what you will. Not what God's will. God wills. What you will. But what you will becomes what God wills. Why? Because his word is what? Abiding in you. Hallelujah. So let me push it forward a little bit. A little bit more. Pray fervently. That's the next one, number three. All the ones I said, they're just a revision of what I talked about last week. Let me just do a little bit and then we'll stop. Pray fervently. Everybody say pray fervently. Pray fervently. James 5.16. So, see, there's something, everybody look at me. 
Like I told you, the real prayer is the desire, the passion that is there. Do you know that sometimes people pray? Have you seen people praying before? Dear Father, you know, and then they're just, there's really nothing. It's like going to the labor room. You go, you go to the labor room and then you go to the hospital. And I've been there three times with my wife, you know. So and sometimes we have gone there and then they'll say, oh, go back home. You know, already that. You know, remember they say, go back home. Now all you have is Braxton Higgs, whatever they call it. So you're not there yet. I remember the first one. They told my wife, they said, when you are there, you would know. <laughs> <laughs> when you are there, you will know. This one that you are feeling, you are not there. When you are there, you will know. And when she was there, <laughs> we knew. <laughs> we knew she was there. A lot of people go into prayer. They are not there. They're not there. They're just playing. Oh, dear Father, I just love you. I just give you glory. <laughs> you know, I and then you look at somebody. Hey, hi, hi, how you doing? Yeah, we just thank you, Lord. We just give it glory. We, you know, nah, nah. That's not going to give birth to anything. Prayer that produces results is fervent. The word for fervent in the Greek is agonizomai. Okay, you can see the beginning is agony. Amen. <laughs> it's what agony what? Zomai. It's red hot. The Amplified Classic of James chapter 5, verse 16 gives us what fervency, like it breaks down what the word agonizomai means in the Greek. The first thing there, it is, it is heartfelt. James 5, 16. It says, confess your sins to one another. Uh, the Amplified Classic. Pray for one another that you may be healed. Give me the Amplified Classic. Yeah, this one. Please. Yeah, very good. It says that you may be healed. Confess to one another, therefore, your fault, your slips, your false steps, and your offenses, your sins. And pray also for one another that you may be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of mind and heart. Look at it. You're honest. So it breaks it down. That's agonizomai. Heartfelt. Everybody say heartfelt. Heartfelt. I, don't know you, I know some of you have prayed heartfelt prayer before, right? You know, when heartfelt prayer happens, you know, they, they, you just heard the news that somebody in your family or somebody very close to you is going through some trouble. They say, oh, this person is in the hospital. You know the way you pray? Ah! <laughs> or they say that they are going to be, what do you call it? Laying you off work and the news came to you. They're doing restructuring. And you know that's important. You know the way you pray. And you and your wife or you and your husband, oh, Father. Who, you know, it's not the movement. It's the, uh, you know, the feeling, the, 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 the heartfelt part of it. Then the next one is what continued. Everybody say continued. When prayer is fervent, there's just that thing that you are just, you are there and you're pushing. Fervent prayer is what produces results. The honest, let's, let's say the honest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available that is dynamic in its workings. Clemency put power to prayer. So that is why Jesus said, whenever you want to pray, he said, shut the door of your room. You understand? And go to the sick. What he said is that remove all distraction and then pray. Your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. You know that what 
for us to give birth to things in our lives, we have to get to that point where nobody is there and we are in the presence of God, walking or kneeling down and groaning and praying, telling him with passion. That's what produces results. That's what produces results. And listen, the more impactful that thing that you are praying for is going to be for the kingdom of God, the more travail it's involved. Paul was talking about the churches that he established. He was talking to the Galatians. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 19, I think, he said, my little children, my little children of whom I travail, the same word, that I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. My little children, for whom I'm again suffering birth pangs, birth pangs, until Christ is completely and permanently formed and molded in you. In other words, I first of all suffered the, the birth pangs for you to be born again. And now I'm suffering the birth pangs in prayer again for you to be established. That's passion. Paul talked about a man called Epaphras. I think it's in Colossians chapter 2, verse 16 or so. I'm not sure. Or two, yeah, Colossians 2, 16 or 1. He said Epaphras was a man. It's one of you. Always praying with agonizomai. <laughs> fervently. So that you might be established. If you can search for a preference, it's either in 1, 16, 3, 16, 2, 15, somewhere there. Maybe 1, 16, try it. We said, always praying fervently. Just search for a preference, always praying. You find it. It was praying fervently so that you may be established in all the will of God. So there was a man in the church who kept on praying so that they could be established in all the will of God. But the Bible describes that the prayer was a fervent prayer. Amen. Amen. So you, you will know the reason why it seems as if a lot more of God's manifestations and miracles happen in places where people have serious needs that drive them to pray fervently. Yeah. That in places where people have options. You know, so Father, produce this. You know, why don't you supply this money? But I know that I can borrow it from the bank. You know, thank you. And something at the back of your mind says, I can do a home equity loan. But, <laughs> you know, Lord, heal this, but, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, you know, if you don't, I can go to the doctor and then he'll perform this operation. But when you, there's no option, there's nothing. But what about we to bring that same thing in a, into our lives? Yeah. Is, is that a preference? Who is one of yourself? So it was just a, just one of them, 12. It's verse, okay, 12. He said, a preference, who is one of yourself? A servant of Jesus Christ sends you greeting. He's always striving for you. Honestly, the same word, agonizomai, honestly in his prayers, pleading that you may, as person of right character and clear conviction, stand firm and mature in spiritual growth, convinced and fully assured in everything by the will of God. Let me begin to round up. There are certain things in our life, like maybe our children, or your, the people you are discipling, or your assignments in life, or your purpose in life. It's going to take this for you to see it. For people to become strong, for people to become, you know, <laughs> Woo! I mean, I can just remember times. Sometimes you see some people right now that are doing stuff. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, you know, preaching, pastoring, and all that, like on the south side and all that. But I remember times of tears, like alone of tears. God, you got to raise up people. God. You got to strengthen people. God, there was a particular person. The person was always having financial issues. 
always having fun. One way to do the will of God, but always the issues will just distract him. I remember crying. I went to my pastor. I was like, God, how do I solve this thing? And just pray, Lord, break through for this person. And they started, ooh. Person broke through. It takes fervency. We're planting a church here. It's going to take fervency to bring it forth. The youth division, the children's division, the you know the you know the the church itself, the worship of the church, the impact, the transformation of this community. We're going to have to give back to it in prayer and in fervent prayer. Good, everybody. Did you get that? You got it. I am going to let me let me give you one last one, and I'll stop with that. Pray persistently. I'll stop with that. Pray what? I will say pray persistently. So this is different from fervency. This is not giving up. How to pray? Not giving up. We're going to read this and we'll stop with that. Luke chapter 18 from verse 1 to 8. You can take it away from Amplified. Like Amplified. ESV. Luke chapter 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 8. 18, sorry. Luke 18 from verse 1 to 8. Let's read it. Jesus gives a parable here. He said, and he told them a parable. This is Jesus talking. A parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not to lose heart. You know, sometimes when you are praying, you want to lose heart. Jesus knew it. Sometimes when you are praying about certain things, you will be tempted to lose heart. Why? Why, why do you think you get tempted to lose heart? Because you don't see the answer immediately. So you are tempted to give up. I've been praying for these things and I've not seen it. I prayed last week. I prayed the week before. I've been praying all that, but it has not manifested. But Jesus said, don't lose that. He said, he said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept on coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterwards he said to himself, Though I do not fear God, let's move it up. Though I, I do not fear God and I do not respect man. So, first of all, let me stop. When you see parables, they are parallels. This one is like an anti, in a sense, character to God. You get what I'm saying? God is not like that. Jesus is saying that. You know what? Let's look at even somebody who is not like God, who does not care. You understand? This works for someone. If, if this works for somebody who doesn't care, how much more with God, who is even more willing to give to us? That's what he's saying there. So, <laughs> he said, Though I neither, I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down. By a continual coming. Verse 6. And the Lord said. Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect. Who cry to him day and night. Will he delay long over them. I tell you. He will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless. When the son of man comes. Will he find faith on that. Then he goes on to say. Ask and you shall be given. And so on. You know, ask and you shall be given. Seek and you shall find Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. For who he who ask receives. And to him that knocks, the door shall be opened. Persistently do it. We've got to pray persistently. Don't give up because you don't get the answer the first time or the second time. 
or the third time or the fourth time. Stay there. Stay there. Stay there. Stay there. That thing will be born. That ministry will be born. That child will be transformed. That thing will manifest if you don't quit because your father is going to give it to you. Is that good, everybody? Did you get something? Come on, let's rise up on our feet. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Glow Podcast. We trust you were blessed and inspired. For more contents from Dr. Land, visit our website at www.pastorland.com and follow at Pastor Land on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Keep glowing. See you next time.